to the Corey Lee Show. That's right. You heard it. The Corey Lee Show. Principles with Corey and Logan is being rebranded to the Corey Lee Show. Hey, Logan is still around. We'll probably have him on some episodes, but I uh, just wanted to do a rebrand. And the episode that you're about to listen to is the very first of the Corey Lee Show. I have my friend Chuck Parrish on, and this is a powerful conversation that you won't want to miss. We talk about, uh, Chuck shares his life story. He talks about building a strong life foundation. Then we talk about how to unlock favor in your life. That is an important thing. Favor ain't fair and it's a powerful thing. But then how do you balance that favor with alignment in your life? And then we talk also about influence strategies for success. One of the most, um, I guess, probably the favorite thing that that came out of our conversation that you're about to listen to that Chuck said is he made a statement. He says that you are the answer to a problem. That is so powerful that there was a problem and God had you in mind when he created you to be a solution to that problem. So powerful. Hey, stay and listen in. Hope this uh, episode adds value to you. If it does, make sure you like, subscribe and share it with a friend or family member enjoy. Well, welcome to the Corey Lee Show, guys. I am super excited about today's episode and really today's guest. And I I just found out that today's guest is a podcast rookie, by the way, but I know he's going to do awesome. He is a good friend of mine, somebody that I'll hold really in high esteem, someone that carries joy, someone who carries a ton of wisdom. So if you're in a position, you got your pen and your notebook, you better have it ready when this man talks. It's going to be really good. And so, um, well, first off, Chuck, uh, this is my friend, Chuck Parrish. And so, Chuck, welcome to the Corey Lee Show. Thank you, Corey. I'm excited to be here, man. This is this is going to be, hey, this is the, the the shift in the show, and I get to be your crash test dummy. Slam me <laughs> into the wall, brother. Let's go. Let's go. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> and so, so uh, just to give you guys an idea of who Chuck is, so Chuck is somebody we met, I met a couple of years ago when we launched uh, Transformation Tupelo. He came in with the John Maxwell organization to help us with that, just really connected with him and, and was attracted to that that wisdom that he that he carries and just that joy. You can tell when somebody has a light and he carries that light, but Chuck, he's been in healthcare, been administrative healthcare for a several years now. He is an author that's working on a book. He is a pastor. He is also, he does one-on-one coaching. He does leadership training. He does speaking. He's making an impact on the lives of a ton of people. And uh, he's just launched his own business where he provides coaching and speaking and training and super excited. I know he's going to impact a lot of people, but Chuck, I want to say, you know, that's where you're at right now. Um, Take us on the journey. Like, how did you get to where you are now? Well, Corey, here's the fact of it is we we have to have a foundation uh, that, that everything else if it's under there that shifting that shifting sand, if it's not on solid foundation, it doesn't matter what we structure in our lives. You you come back to where that's at. So I have to go back to what started me. What and and here's the thing: I didn't realize it at the time. You know, when when you're when you're a kid and you're growing up and you're just living life and you're wanting, man, and once I get to this grade or once I get here, and if I could just get this, and you look back and you're like, man. I was having a lot more fun than I thought I was having, but that's the way kids are, you know? So it's, it's one of those things 
I would have to say my foundation mentor and the key key person in my life was my dad. Mm -hmm. um, my dad, uh, which, you know, the, the history of that, my dad was a musician and I grew up in that, that kind of environment of being a musician and uh, the folks that in his early years, and, and this is folks on listening to the podcast, they go like, ah, who, who's he talking about? Well, you know, my dad, he played with folks like Sonny James, Loretta Lynn, Willie Nelson. Uh, he did recording in the studio at in New Orleans and with Fats Domino, just way back. So I always telling you, know, my claim to fame with my name, I was named after Chuck Berry. And a lot, a lot of folks think that my name is Charles because Chuck is a nickname. You know, they say, is your legal, legal name Charles? No, it's Chuck. That's what it is. Uh, you know, so, so that's... I, I grew up in that environment, but see, when I was really young, my dad, uh, his whole life shifted. When he became a Christ follower, 100% his life got saved and was called into the ministry. That all shifted to gospel music. It, it shifted. So all those things. So I grew up in that environment. So my, my foundation was when we traveled, uh, we traveled a lot. There was, there was one year we looked at our calendar and, I can remember my my dad talking about out of 365 days, we were only home 60 days. And those were not consecutive. Those other days, we were in a church service, a conference, uh, uh, a, a convention. They, they, we were either doing the music or he was speaking. So I just grew up in this environment of being in front of people, you know, all, all those things. But here's, here's, where I cooked this down to. There were times when all the family couldn't go and I, I would travel with my dad. And I can remember being a little boy just going down the road and he would be preparing a, a sermon. I always said, you know, I was the original Google <laughs> because we would have these books in front of us. You know, he, he would have his, his study commentaries, his whatever. The, the Haley's Bible handbook was one of my first books he bought me uh, as a study resource. And and he would tell me what to look up, do this, mark this right here for me. And I actually would help him build sermons going down the road. And I had no idea the things I was learning that I was actually learning those. You know, I thought I was just getting information and putting that together. So, you know, as a kid, I, I remember studying how thick the walls around the old city of Babylon was and you know, two two chariots wide, and they could have races around the building. He wanted all. He, my dad was this kind of communicator. He would say, "You know, you need this information. You may not give it all, but you need the confidence that when you're speaking into someone's life, there's this foundational truth that you know." And and he would he was awesome storyteller. So you know, he would he would say, "If you're going to tell about the if you're going to tell about the the camels." The Midianites riding in on camels and they're coming in to take Shama's peas and they're, they're all these, he just go in these different scenarios of things. He said, that needs to be so dusty that people get thirsty. Mm. You, yeah. You want to describe it that way. So anyway, that's, you know, there all these stories just kind of mesh together. Who's what, who's where. But here's one of my greatest takeaways. We pull up to a church one day my dad's going to speak, and he was kind of quiet that day. And we pull up into the parking lot, and before we go in, he's sitting there, and, and his prayers, he would pray. He would just talk the way we're talking. 
Yeah. Just just talk. You know, he, he didn't speak King James. I don't speak King James. I always tell people my look, my 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 disclaimer as a speaker is that uh if you smell cornbread cooking, it just means I'm talking. Mm-hmm. I'm so country, I'm crunchy on the edges. So it doesn't, you know, yeah. so so my dad, he would just he would just talk. And I remember sitting there in the car before we were getting out to go in and and he's he he's looks out the windshield and he just says uh he says father in my account i've deposited some kind words and in my account i've deposited some unconditional love and in my account i've deposited deposited some hope but today I need to make a withdrawal. And I see this tear coming down his cheek. Now, here's my hero. And the guy that I think can walk in front of any crowd, any moment, can stand on the stage with any musician, hold his eye. I'm seeing this guy and he's sitting there doing this. And he takes his hanky and he just, he, he wipes it. And he goes, let's go, Chucko. He called me and that was what he, he would call me, Chucko. He said, he said, let's go, Chucko. Now, I don't know when later in years, a few years before he passed away, he and I had the conversation and I told him what that meant to me, mm-hmm. that he taught that that lesson. When I, I come back to our beginning, what started me, it's my foundation. That. You reap what you sow. You have to be intentional of what you're putting in the ground. And when you need it, you can access it and you can ask for a withdrawal because you cannot give what you do not have. So my dad taught me that principle without it being a teaching mentor and lesson like you'll sit down and, well, here, son, I need to teach you some life. Let me let me give you some life nuggets. No. It, so that conversation we had, I told him, I said, look, what I learned from you was not what you were telling me. But it's what you were living in front of. me. So that has been the foundation that has brought me to where I am. And my dad had a prayer for me. I never this, he's always it was his prayer to the day he left this planet. He would say, Chucko, I'm praying that you have favor with the right people. Mm. And I didn't know there again, when I was a kid, I didn't know. But, but I learned at school, I began to get favor with certain, certain teachers. When I would get a job, I had favor with, and and this was my dad's prayer that you have favor with the right people. Then later he taught me, he said, that's a principle from Joseph. Yeah. That in the midst of his dream and the the things that were blocking it, that he found favor in the eyes of Pharaoh. And so what my dad taught me, he said, son, you don't have to be in agreement with the Pharaohs in your life. But if God grants you favor with them, he's going to open doors to fulfill your calling. Mm -hmm. So, So that principle brought me through places from becoming a, an activity assistant in 1990 at a nursing home in uh, Energy, Illinois. 
to a 30-year career of being a regional chaplain, a regional consultant for life connections, social services, activities, uh, healthcare work, at ho uh, hospice administration. All of those things comes from that, that principle. Now, how I applied that? So, well, that, that sounds cool, but how, how do you apply that? Okay, here we go. It's a great question. Thank you for asking. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Look, you ask great questions. <laughs> Just man, let Chuck go, everybody. Just let him go. Press the record button. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm, I'm working through my I'm working through my career, and I know there's a shift. All right, and so so there's leadership that rises and falls. There's leadership that changes in companies, and, and I had this career that in this company. Uh, several years ago that I, well, this is just the way it's going to be, but there was this shift and it goes back to my foundation. My dad teaching me that Joseph found favor in the eyes of Pharaoh, but years passed by and it says there arose another Pharaoh that did not know Joseph. So there's going to be leaderships that come into people who, you know, if you're listening, you say, well, on my job, I was hired. And I'm doing this. But now these people that they're 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 changing everything. Look, it's OK. It's OK. It was in that it was all part of the plan. So there's going to be people that come up that they're not going to know what your original true value may have been coming in. Or, you know, they're not going to know those things. So how do I apply that? When that shift changed, I was actually uh, uh, here in Mississippi. I was traveling from Hattiesburg to Jackson to the state capitol, and I was uh, right outside of McGee, Mississippi, on, on Highway 49. And I just pulled over onto the shoulder of the of the road, and I'm sitting there in the car, and I look at my cell phone, and this little blue light is blinking. I've got this little blue light that lets me know my Bluetooth is on that when I'm paired to the car. And here's, here's what come to me. Every time I would turn on my phone and I would have to activate my Bluetooth. And you, if you've ever noticed, it, it may be different on your brand or whatever, but on mine, it would say uh, you, if you're at a restaurant, you're, you're in a setting, you turn your Bluetooth on, it says you are now discoverable. And I'm sitting on side the road and I'm looking at this phone and it was just like Holy Spirit. Now I didn't hear a voice, but I know his voice. So I understand what I'm saying. He just said, you need to turn your Bluetooth on. You need to be discoverable. And my dad's prayer was the next thought I had. Chucko, I'm going to pray you have favor with the right people. Mm. I made one phone call on side the road and asked when when this this person that's a high level, high level health healthcare industry connection, I called, didn't know if I'd have to set up a, you know, you, you never know if you're even going to get in. But this person answered the phone and I said, look, I just need to let you know that I'm discoverable. <laughs> and they said, what's going on? I said, well, there's a shift. 
in my life. And I just need to let you know I'm discoverable. And when you have a spot on your calendar, I'd love to come sit down and talk with you and let you know what's going on, where I am, where I want to go. Within three days, I had another call. And it was set up with the meetings that opened the, the doors where I've been the last six years. Now, that's the application. You say that sounds oversimplified. But in the words of uh, your mentor, my mentor, John, you know, he, he said that uh, it, it's, it's the educators that take the simple and make it complex. And the communicator takes the complex and makes it simple. And, and so you just you take that moment. This it doesn't have to be that hard. You go to your found. What was my foundation? That I had some good seed in the ground. I had favor with some key people. And I needed the opportunity to add value back to them. Now, that's what has led me to the ultimate change here in the last few months, few weeks, few days of going into parish leadership, my own service, my own things, stepping out there. But it's that foundation that holds me. I like that. You know, there's a lot in that story that I think we can unpack. There's a couple of things I really want to call out is one. I love the story about your dad uh, having having a real conversation with the Lord. And I think that that's one of the things we have to understand that that our heavenly father. Yes, he is Lord, but he is father as well. And getting real with him is like. You know, I'm I'm in this. You you didn't tell what he was thinking. You may not even even known what was going on in his mind, but you saw the reaction of his prayer and his honest prayers. Like, Father, I've I've made these deposits, and today I need to make a withdrawal. That is powerful. The other thing I love love um I love the topic of favor. I heard a guy say the other day, favor isn't fair. Favor isn't fair, and I like that. I like it, Chuck. And I've been praying um, that over our kids, but I love the way you said it, that you would have favor with the right people. And there's something else you said, too, that favor with someone doesn't mean you necessarily agree with them. And when you said that, you talked about Joseph. I also thought about Daniel. You know, Daniel served four kings, four, you know, wildly different kings and one, you know, you consider uh, one of the worst of the worst, but he had favor with them. He had favor with them. And, you know, Scripture says Samuel and Jesus both. Samuel and Jesus both grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with both God and man. That's interesting that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with both God and man. Having favor with the right people. Man, I love that. That's powerful. I, I would just love to tee you up on uh, on some favor there as well. Like, how do you get some favor? What is favor? Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, what, okay, good question. What, what is favor? How do you obtain favor? What are those things? In this context, I, I, I believe there's there's a there's a there's a two sided coin to it. Yeah, favor can be divinely appointed. Yeah, the, there are some there are some people I have met that I had favor with that I really had no reason to have favor with. I just believe it was, that was, that was like, just like Pharaoh and Joseph. There were, yeah. there were some things that were divinely part of the plan. 
And then there are some people you gain favor with by the value you add to them. Yeah. By by being intentional and saying, how can I serve you? And then they tend to be drawn to who's the guy with the answer? Mm -hmm. Who, who's, who's that young lady that gets things done? And you, so you gain favor by the, by the, the quality and the value you, you add. Mm -hmm. So I think that can be intentional. Now there's another element of this. Uh, if, if we knew a good physical therapist, <laughs> that could that that could really unpack this. There's also a, a favor that when when you are hurting, you will tend to favor your good leg. If your if your right leg is hurting, you're going to favor, and and it creates a limp. It it creates something that is out of alignment. So so when when you begin to favor the wrong thing for the wrong reason without fixing the problem it causes things to be more out of alignment. Yeah. So just because you have a favor does not mean that is the direction you actually need to be going. There's still, a, there's still that, that, that prayer and that seeking and that uh, asking mentors to speak into your life, asking people that advice, you know, make sure you're, your inner circle, you're in a group, you're in a good, uh, you know, you're in a good zoom meeting <laughs> during the week with, with, folks that can speak into your life yeah. uh, of things you're going because there's that element of you know uh, sometimes it's okay for a little while you know if I've got a, a busted ankle I'm going to favor it and I'm going to put more weight on the other I'm going to do those things but at some point I've, I have to strengthen this back up mm -hmm. so to obtain favor I think is divinely and it's divinely appointed but it's also it's a result it is a fruit it is a harvest of what you've put into the ground. And if you do not favor some people, if you if you do not grant favor to others in your life, you will not have favor come back to you. Mm. It can't be all about you. Yeah. It can't be all about me. Yeah. But there there and then there's there's I think uh in in the leadership language vernacular, we call it uh influence. Your influence with people, it's, it's just it's another term for it. And you know, we've been taught when when you don't have influence in a certain area, you find the person that does, and and borrow their influence. Yeah, can you influence the influencer, right? Borrow their favor. But here's the thing: when you're granted favor, you should always. Always view that favor as an investment for that person. Mm -hmm. Not a gift that's just freely. And then you take this and you go do what you want. I'm going to give you this. You go blow this wherever you want. Go on a spree vacation. Do the, Go out and eat whatever. I'm just going to give you this. Go do what. You know, that, that favor that is granted to you. That should always be viewed as an investment. And if you're going to be a good steward over what has been left to you, that favor needs to be returned back to that person. Don't go bury it. Don't go bury your talent. Don't go bury your favor. 
and said, well, you know, you grant, you gave me your good name and I kept it real good, man. I, but look, did you expand any of our influence? Did you expand any of our business? Did you, did you expand any of our, our resources? Did you expand the outreach of our church, our ministry, whatever, wherever you're involved, if your pastor, your leader, any of those folks, they invest favor into you, be intentional in giving them a return on that investment. That's good. I love that. Love that description of gifts and favor. Gifts, hey, this is given to you. Do with it whatever you want to. Favor is an investment. What you're going to do with it, looking for a return. And I think about that too. When you, like, um, if I'm a leader and I give you favor, it, it really is like an investment. It's like I trust you, but there's risk involved in that trust. Like me bestowing favor upon you, that that there's risk involved in that. It, right. it, it may may turn around and uh, you know shoot myself in the foot or whatever. Or if you're someone that that can go out and make an investment or uh, give a great return, how powerful is that? And I want to position myself to do that. If if somebody gives gives me a favor or positions me to, uh, you know, make an impact. I want to provide a return. Man, that's powerful. I love that. Um, you talked about sowing seeds and kind of, you talked about uh, favor is almost the fruit. Well, there's another fruit and it's the fruit of the spirit and it's joy. You are somebody who carries around joy. And um, me and you were talking slightly before we hopped on that you know, joy isn't some continual state of kumbaya. Uh, and, and nothing bad happens, or you some Pollyanna where it's always optimistic, but the heart set is towards optimism. And uh, I, I feel like you're somebody who carries joy. I feel like I'm somebody who carries joy as well. And I just wanted to tee you up. Um, like, what is, I know your answer to the source of joy, but how do you maintain joy in the ebb and flow of life? I would love to hear your thoughts on that. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> that's deep, Chuck. That's deep. Chuck's there we go, bro. Some tough uh, ones. <laughs> th th this is a uh, everything you ever want to know about Chuck, but was too afraid to ask. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> so, so here we go. What what is for me? Okay. Yeah, let, let's. On. This is this is. I'm I'm speaking from my perspective. Let's go. My life. Joy is not an emotion for me. Mm -hmm. Joy is not something I feel just when I need to feel it or because of the circumstances. I leave those up to being happy, being sad, being, you know, there's all kinds of semantics and psychology you can get into. Let's just stay, let, let's just stay on the topic of joy. For me, joy is a piece of equipment that is in my tool bag of life. And I can choose to use it or not. Mm. See, if I, if I use joy, if it's based from an emotional standpoint, if I buy a new car and I have joy over that, everything's good, but, you know, down the road, it starts falling apart and I find out that the bumper to bumper warranty really wasn't a bumper to bumper to warranty and all then where did my joy go? All of a sudden I don't have joy. 
if, if my joy is in my health and I'm all good and I go for a checkup and all of a sudden my blood pressure is this, we need to do this and all that. Where did my joy go? So, so joy is, is for me is not an emotional thing. Yeah. It is a tool. And I'm, I'm going to get you somewhere with this. Come right? on. Hey, truck, I, Chuck, I'm tracking, man. You, you just let it go. Where does my joy lie? My my joy lies within my faith, yeah. my faith in Christ. See, Scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. What is the strength? People say, "What makes you so strong?" Well, it's it's not my joy; it's the Lord's joy. So you, you have to list, list, just slow down and look at the phrasing of that verse. He said, where's that verse? Well, here we go. I learned this from one of my senior pastors. Uh, you don't always tell everybody exactly where the verse is. Just tell them, go look it up, and, and they have to go study. So, so this is going to be one of your study projects. Use your Googler and uh, <laughs> look up the verse, for, uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength, uh, and, and find find a translation on that meaning. All right, so here's the thing. My next question is, if his joy is my strength, then I have to discover what is his joy. If it's his joy that gives me the strength to live life, so what would his joy be? Well, here again, it says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Not the joy of going to the cross. It was the joy that was set before him that was just on the other side of what he knew he would accomplish. So my strength is the joy of the Lord and his joy was the completed act of the cross. So my strength is in the cross. So therefore it becomes a tool. And here's what I mean by that. If we look at, and I pull this right here because I wanted to give you this one. Isaiah 12 and 3. And it says this, with joy, you will draw waters from the wells of salvation. How do you draw, how do you draw that living water? With joy. Joy becomes your bucket. You can't go to the well and you're standing there, you have nothing to draw with. Mm -hmm. There are some people that aren't happy that aren't, they're not living fulfilled lives. They're not living fulfilled careers. They're not living fulfilled, uh, their purpose. They, they just can't seem to find that completion. It's because they don't, they're standing at the well, but they don't have any tools to draw it with. He said, so you draw it with joy. Yeah. So it's that moment that when you're thirsty, when you're hit that low spot, that's where my joy kicks in because that's my tool I'm going to draw the rest of my resources with. Yeah. I'm going to draw it with joy. I like it. Chuck, let me ask you this, all right? So so there's some people who are, who are listening. They may have never even heard those verses of scriptures. That's brand new to them. There are other ones that may, may could have quoted those better than you you did or I could, but it's up here. It's in their head. Right. It hasn't it hasn't made the move from the head to the heart. And you touched on it earlier that 
you know, it's not just what you know, it's kind of being a part of you. I would love to know what that actually looks like for you. And I'm going to kind of give you my example of when I think about this and, and, um, you know, going from the highs and the lows, it's, it's joy in the high moment that, you know, and in the low moment, my, my joy isn't placed in whatever that high moment is, but like you said, the security of, of Jesus. And then that low moment is not based on circumstances and conditions. So uh, I would love to hear your thoughts. I'm going to give you an example of mine, like what that practically looks like for me. And I think it's different for each person because it's a unique relationship that you have with the father. And so for me, my joy, like you, is rooted and grounded in that truth. But what it looks like played out is like when I get this, uh, maybe you get high time, you know, a, a moment of great recognition, great recognition. Used to what I used to do is I had this false humility of, oh, whoa, shuck, Noah's me, you know. And um, and what I had to realize, false humility is just as bad as arrogance and pride because it all points back to me. And I heard a pastor say one time, say, in public, just say thank you. But in private, when you get into the private presence of the Father, say, Father, I received this and I give it back to you. And, and that's a source of joy. And I, I've kind of done that uh, in, you know, in my own quiet time. And then even in those low moments of high stress or when things aren't just going right, what I practically do is almost like what you said your father did is, is go to the Father's like, you know, your word says that I can cast my cares upon you because you care for me. Your word says that that I can have peace that surpasses understanding. And, and right now, I, I feel anxiety. Right now, I feel fear. Right now, I'm a little bit frustrated. Right now, I, I'm kind of frustrated at everything that's going on. And I want to lay this at your feet. And, and I just interact on in a conversation. And you know what happens is an interesting thing kind of whatever I need at that moment, the Lord provides, but typically is that peace that surpasses understanding. Peace that surpasses understanding means I don't understand why I have peace in this current situation. And right. and that's how I think about this joy, but I would love to hear how you practically do that, what that looks like for you, if, if that's all right for you to share. All right. For me, um, Exactly. We're, we're, we're tracking the same way. You and I are, are, are I guess, uh, in the nature of it. Yeah. It's that same thing. I have to be intentional in in asking, uh, asking the Father, when I'm in those moments, having that honest conversation with Him, uh, that... I don't understand why I'm going through this or I don't understand why this fell through. And making a decision. Am I going to trust? Trust? <laughs> that's, that's the other thing. <laughs> or am I going to just try to fix? Yeah. Or if I'm going to bail out. Mm. So practically for me, it comes back to that joy that I use. I go back to my foundation of what my dad taught me. And, and it's even in his later years. All right. It comes back to, to a faith that I don't, I don't know that I have words of my vocabulary 
to articulate this, but my my dad in his later years, uh, he had to have a liver kidney transplant, just had had some things going on, just his health bottomed out. And I'm sitting in his living room and, and there's a hospital bed in his living room and and he's sitting on the side of it. And and that moment, he's still talking about when his strength is up, where he's going to speak, what church is lined up. He's got a weekend here. He's doing this. And he made this statement to me. He said, Chucko, if God never heals me, I will never stop telling people he heals. Mm. So how do I practically apply that? My story does not change. <laughs> Why should my circumstances change the story of my purpose and my calling? Yeah, it doesn't. It, it, so so the practicality of it is you keep you keep speaking your purpose you keep speaking that thing that is burning within you that thing that is there see here's here's what we know that that when when miles monroe said this i, I he, he's always been one of my my i call him my academic mentors i never got to meet him personally but I have followed him for years. As a matter of fact, the, the very first book that really opened some doors for me in my mind and in my heart for leadership development is The Purpose and Power of Vision. And, and he made this statement. He said, he said, when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Hmm. When you do not know the purpose of a thing, the potential for that thing to be used in an abusive way is going to happen. And, and see, the word abuse is a compound word. It just simply means abnormal use, abuse, mm -hmm. abnormal. You abnormally use something, you are abusing it. So when we don't know our purpose, we abnormally live our lives. So we are living at an abusive life that pulls that joy away. It pulls it out. But the practicality, you come back, once you know your purpose, once you know that you're, you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you're put here for a reason and you begin to walk in that, that, main, that, that, is, that becomes that bucket of joy that you pull right back to it. Now, I love using this analogy. Oh, I, I collect, you can see it on, on our camera here, but I, I collect... I collect fountain pens. This it's just my thing. I love fountain pens. All right. Uh, this fountain pen was actually it, the purpose that it serves. A fountain pen took the place of a quill. We used to carry a, a you know, at times they, they had a little little vial of ink and a big old feather. They dip and they would write. And and there was a man by the name of Waterman. That, that came up with the idea. He said, man, if there was a way we could put some ink in this quill, we could, and he developed a tube that would carry ink. So here was the problem. You know how we, you know, us church folks, and I hope, uh, just, just stay with me. Right, uh, us, us folks, we love this statement. We will say, well, the answer was there before the problem. No. Flip that. 
the problem exists and God always creates an answer to it. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, the reason Corey Lee, Chuck Parrish, and anybody listening, the reason you are on this planet is that there's a grand designer, there is a creator, there is a manufacturer of your life, your body, your soul that seeing a problem. And he said, I need to create a product to answer that problem. See, there's no manufacturer anywhere has ever created a, a they, they've never built a factory, set up an assembly line, hired people, and, and, and brought in truckloads of resources and created some kind of gizmo. And at the end of it, somebody says, what does this thing do? Nobody knows, but it's a great one. <laughs> All right. It, it's, it, it, every manufactured thing is the answer to a problem. Hmm. The problem was we were riding with a feather and some ink and they needed to expedite communication. So, so, the uh, the fountain pen became the tool, the purpose to increase the speed of communication, to make it more portable, more accessible. They could they could do all these things with it. Now here's my point, Corey. When purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. If I did not know the purpose of this fountain pen. It has a shot. I could take this over to a sheetrock wall and a hammer and I could drive it into the wall and hang a picture on it. And it would hold it. It would work. It would function within in that, that world of holding that. But I have just abused this fountain pen because I've abnormally used it for outside of its purpose. Mm -hmm. When people do not have joy in their lives, sometimes the root I have found most often the lack of joy is the lack of their own realization of their purpose. Ooh, yeah. Oh, come on now. So we live abusive lives and we try to fill it with things. Now, watch this right here. Freud, Freud, okay, in his world, he said it is the will of man to seek pleasure. All right. Then Viktor Frankl come along, an awesome man, survived the, the concentration camps, all these things. He takes that statement and studies it from a faith perspective, and he says this. It is the will of man to know meaning. Mm -hmm. And when meaning is not known, they will substitute it with pleasure. Ooh, Victor. Oh, now, Victor. So, so how do we have joy? What is the practical thing for me? I know my purpose. Yeah. And I will not abuse it. And when I feel that beaten down and I, I don't have an answer, I don't have a direction, joy becomes my bucket. And I go to the well of my resources, of my foundation, of what my dad taught me, what, what mentors have spoken to my life what the word teaches me and I take joy and I drop it in that well and I pull it out and I reassert into my purpose. Mm. Now, once your purpose is known, 
that is when you begin to tap into and open up the potential that you never knew was there. Hmm. So my purpose, my calling reason, I feel like I'm put on this planet, not only as the minister to teach, to coach and, and to lead and train all those things, but my real, at the core of that, at the core of that, I'm a lid lifter. Hmm. And it's my mission to help people discover their purpose. Yeah. And once that is discovered, mine out all the potential of that that we can get. Yeah. That's what I do. I love that. Sum up what you said. You are the answer to a problem. I love that right there. That that's you, Chuck. That's me. That's everybody listening. That you are the answer to a problem. And I and and I think uh when we understand that, that you are created on purpose for a purpose, that God doesn't make mistakes, he doesn't make junk, that man, you, you start to live with a sense of purpose, you start to live with joy. And I want to ask you this, and this sometimes a, I'm sure this is a question you get a good bit. You help people discover purpose. If there's somebody out there, they're listening, it's like, okay, well, that, hey, I love the, I love the sound of all that. Where do I even start? Where's the beginning point? And do not give me, like, I, I'm just saying somebody out there. Uh, I, besides, Jesus is the answer. Do you have something, <laughs> uh, you know, like, how? where do people begin? Where do people begin? Or is Jesus the answer? What's your answer? Well, well you know, well, ultimately, he is the answer. You know, our, our purpose is, our purpose is to be salt and light for him and, and to, you know, that, Ultimately, that's it. But I think in the context of your question is, what is our purpose for our day-to-day -day lives? Yeah. How, how do you find that? Yeah. What is the thing you can't shake? Mm. What is the thing that you would be doing regardless of the where and the how? What, what, is, that, what is that thing that maybe you haven't shared with someone? Maybe it's been there and you've been too afraid to even tell your spouse, your family, your friends, your pastor, your co-workers. If I bring this up, I, they're going to think I'm an idiot. I don't even know if I could do this. But when it's just you in the car and it's you and your windshield time and you can't shake it. And it's this question that I always here's Here's my question that I ask when I'm whether I'm doing coaching. I did this. Uh, when I'm when I'm bringing on a new hire, when I'm when I'm doing an interview, somebody coming onto the team, I ask this question: How would you fill this this blank this blank in? If I ever had the opportunity, I would like to. And most times, people will give you some kind of answer related to the job they're interviewing. I'll go, no, 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 no. That, that's not. I'm asking you: If you ever had the opportunity, what would you like to do? And then they'll give you some kind of, you know, well, vacation. Or I love this. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking you is, if you have the opportunity, what would you be doing? Mm -hmm. And you'll see them just kind of take that. It's in that conversation that your purpose 
that seed has been planted there. It's that thing you can't shake. So the next question is, what are you doing today that prepares you for that opportunity? Because the opportunity is waiting for you to show up. But when it shows up, it will wait no longer. Yeah. All right. So, so th th those, those are the, those are the the steps. If you if you want to know what your purpose is, it it's that thing that drives you. Yeah. It's that thing. I, I tell folks what I do, my purpose, my why. I would be doing this if I worked at the drive-through at McDonald's or Chick Fil A. I I would be your worst nightmare. You come through my window. And you're, you'd be like, dude, I, I, I just, can I just have my cheeseburger? I need to go. And I want, I'm, I'm going to be asking, you know, what, what are you out about today? What's, what's going on? Who, who are you adding value today? <laughs> so, I, I, I hope that kind of answered and I didn't go on a. No, that was perfect. And, and, and really, because I, I know, I know there's probably somebody out there. It's like, I love the sound of that, but I, I don't even know what my purpose is. And I, I get the aerial view that it is about, or we can call it aerial view, it's the root. Jesus is, you know, that, but, but what about me? Like, what does that look like? And I love how you ask the question of what would you love to do and how we'll give some kind of superficial answers. I know that's that's not the question I'm asking. And then then you take it another layer deep. Is that no, that's still not the question I'm asking. And I have found that many people, because we, we do the same, we do we do coaching and Many people won't even allow themselves to go down the route of even thinking or even considering. And, and as you were talking, two things came to my mind is one, we don't allow ourselves to go down that route of thinking. But then two, I got my phone out here and nobody, if you're listening to podcasts, you can't see it, but we do this. We scroll and we're so distracted that we're not even having the conversation with the Lord or ourselves to see what was I created? What would I actually love to do? Like if I could do anything, like we're not even allowing ourselves to have that conversation. I also love what you said, too. And it reminded me of this Winston Churchill quote that I'm going I'm to give here, uh, that when that opportunity comes, you know, you, you got to be ready. You got to be ready. That's kind of what you said. This is Winston Churchill. To each there comes a to each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing unique to them and fitted to their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or even unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. Ooh, Winston, hey, he's coming in hot right there, Chuck. Coming in hot. Yeah. Hey, I want to ask you this, Chuck, and I, I know, I man, I appreciate you, and ooh, I know uh, there's probably going to be, people will have to rewind that back. Um Interesting question, I think. It just kind of came to me. Do you consider yourself to be a wise man, intelligent man, or both? Like, what's the difference? Just consider, how. what would you consider yourself? Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, I. that's, that's, a, that's a tough question. <laughs> and that, and, and here, here's, here's the reason I say that. Um, uh, I've never considered myself a wise, mm. a wise man, um, uh, intelligent. It depends on the category we're discussing. Yeah. You know, 
I think I have considered myself a wise student. Yeah. And and because I I, I never want to stop learning. I never want to miss the lesson from the people around me. Yeah. Um. And and there are different elements that that I have. You know, I've lived life and. And there, there have been things that have happened in my life where there have been uh, my purpose was abnormally used. I was, you know, the, that abuse, those things, and and those things affect how we respond, how we do. Then we have to make a decision: Am I going to let that event really dictate who I am, what I'm going to do? Oh, uh, but I think the older I get, uh, maybe maybe wisdom is is that and and i think it's uh, i'm almost there's that spot of is it a false humility i don't i don't want to be that way but let me say it this way if if it's whether it's my dad whether it's mentors whether it's the people in my life those those men in my inner circle the ladies in my inner those those people that speak into my life i think if i was to say no i'm not a wise man i'm doing a discredit to the favor that has been invested in me. Mm-hmm. So the return on what has been spoken into my life, the answer is yes, sir. I do consider myself to be a wise man. Yeah, I would say so as well. And uh, la- last question I have for you: What's the difference? Wisdom and intelligence. When you think about, you know, not the Webster dictionary, uh, but when you think about intelligence and wisdom, what, what do you see as the difference? The difference of intelligence is knowing information. Yeah. Wisdom is being an effective person within your purpose. Mm. Wow. And, and, and let me give you a real life. Can I give you, a, we got time. Let me give you a real life analogy. Yeah. My grandfather was an amazing man in the sense of when I was a kid, before I started school, my early memories, he worked the night shift at a lumber, uh, a sawmill. And then he, he worked at a factory, a plant where they, they built sheets of uh, eight, you know, plywood. And he, he worked the dryer. Not a big man, not, not, not a big man, but solid. Because this dude would pull four by eight sheets of plywood out of a dryer manually. And he just moved, he moved, Sheets of plywood by himself, stacks. Hmm. I did not know. I did not know as a kid when I started school, first grade, and I would I would come home. I would come home and I would go stay the night. I'd go to Pawpaw's house, go stay with Momo and Pawpaw. Love going there. And I would take some piece of work that I've done at school and I would be showing him something I've done. And he's sitting there and I'm on his lap. I can remember. It's just as real as it can be. We're sitting there in, in, in their living room and I'm sitting up on his lap and I'm showing him my work. And he's saying, that's good, man. That's good. I'm proud of you. And I can remember my grandmother standing behind the chair over the shoulder and she's reading my work. I didn't know till I got older that my granddad couldn't read. Mm. Had no idea. Yeah. That she took care of all their paperwork, everything that ever had to be done. But see, I was at the church service when my granddad 
stood up and went to an altar and repented and accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he never read the Bible, hmm. wouldn't know one word of it. Scripture says that faith comes by hearing. Hmm. Hearing the word of God. My granddad couldn't hear. I mean, he couldn't read, but he could hear. Yeah. He couldn't read, but he could hear. He had no intelligence of words on paper. Mm -hmm. But he had wisdom to know I need to make a decision about my faith, mm -hmm. about the God that I serve. That's the difference in intelligence and wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff, Chuck. Love that. Yeah. Intelligence and wisdom right there. Head knowledge and then uh, something beyond simple head knowledge. Uh, that's good. Well, Chuck, man, you have added a ton of value. Like I knew you would. I had no doubts whatsoever. He is no longer a podcast rookie. Like, <laughs> like you need Chuck on a podcast. That's some good stuff, Chuck. Hey, Chuck, um, for anybody who's listening and they're like, man, I want to find out more about Chuck. Maybe, um, maybe I want to reach out to him. How would people get connected to you? E easiest way of uh, just email me at it's Chuck at parishleadership.com. Chuck at parish. Can you spell uh spell parish? P-A-R-I-S-H. Yeah. We'll have that in the, the show notes there below. And just uh wanted you to be able to write that just so if somebody's not able to click the note and, or uh, click the link, all that kind of good stuff. So Chuck, I do appreciate you added a ton of wisdom and value uh, in this. And y'all, if Chuck has made an impact on you, make sure to comment and we can send that to him. Make sure to connect with him, Chuck at Parish, uh, Parish Leadership. Leadership.com. There it is. You can reach and, out. And that's, that's, that's the website as well, parishleadership.com. Parishleadership.com. Chuck at parishleadership.com dot com and uh he would love to serve you and add value to you guys so i uh, hope this episode has added value to you and if it has make sure to uh share it with a friend uh, get the word out uh make sure you subscribe and you like this so you can stay up to date with any future episodes of the Corey lee show we hope you guys have a great day and god bless